92.3 and AM 1620. Welcome to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. Hope you are having a great weekend before Thanksgiving. Just uh, just a couple of days until uh, we all get to have a nice gigantic meal. Although, uh, you know, apparently we want to make sure we do that safely this year with, uh, with our ever-present friend COVID-19. So, you know, hopefully you are planning your gatherings accordingly. You are, you know, sticking to your household, uh, you know, keeping social distance from anybody that, uh, that you don't know, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move on from that. I'm, I'm keeping proper social distance from my guests today. They're here on the phone with me, uh, joining me to talk about everything going on in pop culture. Uh, first of all, we welcome a, an award-winning filmmaker, Steve Wise. Hey, Julio. Thank you for having me back. Hey, Steve. No, glad to, I think you've won more awards since the last time we've had you on the show, haven't you? Uh, yes, uh, my screenplay paradigm just this past Sunday uh, won best script at the Yucca Valley Film Festival out in California. Very nice, congratulations, congratulations! Soon to be a major motion picture. Uh, we're, uh, we're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, and once it is a major motion picture, I'm sure it will be discussed on the Movies Are Terrible channel on YouTube. And joining me from Movies Are Terrible, Jeremy Branch. Julio, man, fantastic turnout on the DCEU version of a terrible movie trivia, which was dropped yesterday. And I got to tell you guys, at this point, when I hear that sweet sound of Matt and Kim introducing it, I I feel like I'm at home a little bit. I know I'm in good company, so I'm really excited to, to be a part of this week's show. Well, uh, I'm glad to have you. And speaking of the DCEU, that is where we're going to start things today. The, the, the Probably the biggest news in entertainment that came out this week Uh you know, we've we've dealt with throughout this uh, throughout most of this year, uh, all of our movies disappearing from us, at least in terms of the big box office spectacles that we were expecting to see in our in our local and national theaters uh, and worldwide theaters, really. Uh, so, for all of you listeners in Indonesia and uh, Tunisia, we're, we're not mm. forgetting you too. <laughs> I don't have any listeners in Indonesia or Tunisia, I'm sure. I, I'm, sometimes I wonder if I have listeners in Pensacola, but we'll, you know, we'll leave it at that. Uh, you got at least one. Yeah, oh, well, okay, so that's something. Uh, <laughs> at any rate, uh, you know, so we've had, you know, numerous movies that we we're expecting to come out this year that have been pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And one of those, of course, is Wonder Woman 1984, which is the next big DCEU film that we've been looking forward to. Uh, oh, since uh, since about the time the first Wonder Woman film started rolling the credits, because uh, it was a great movie. And I know I've been looking forward to more, and I'm sure you guys have as well. Uh, so, you know, it was supposed to come out a f- uh, early in the uh, early in the summer or even late spring, if I'm remembering correctly. Got pushed back a couple of times, and the last release date that we were given was Christmas Day, uh, December 25th. Well, so uh, interesting news here is that, yes, that's going to happen. December 25th, we will be getting Wonder Woman 1984. However, you have a choice. You can go see it in your theaters or you can watch it at home on HBO Max. It will be available to all HBO Max subscribers uh, same day. No additional charge. They're not doing uh, any of that weird Mulan stuff that Disney Plus did. And uh, I think that that whole Disney Plus uh, 
extra premium thing, I think that's dead in the water because, you know, they'd already announced that they were moving Pixar's soul to Disney Plus and they were not doing that. Oh, yeah, you know, you can buy it for an additional charge. I, I don't think that worked very well for Disney because I haven't heard a peep of that happening again, uh, which is good because I don't think that was good for consumers. Uh, but so, no, yeah. No, so I, I don't think... I- I don't think it was good for consumers, but from what I heard, they actually Disney made a lot of money off of that. So it surprised me that they're not moving forward with that practice. But, yeah, it seems uh, to me. Consumer, yeah, it seems to me that if it had if it had been successful at a level that they wanted it to be successful at, they would have continued that. Yeah, you know, I it might, it, they may have made money, but they may not have made what they thought they were going to make, and they may have decided it's better to just. Treated as a as a subscription driver, which appears to be what Warner Brothers is doing here, or AT and T is now the parent company uh, with Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four, because uh, we are going to get it day and date. Uh, and the the other interesting thing about this is that, generally speaking, the exhibitors, the theater owners, have been dead set against any movies coming out day and date at home and yeah. in theaters. But yeah. uh, but they're giving this one a pass, or at least AMC is. AMC has come out and said, yes, we will air Wonder Woman. We will uh, screen Wonder Woman starting on Christmas Day. So uh, that that is, of course, the biggest exhibitor. And for those of us in Pensacola, the only exhibitor in Escambia County. Uh, so you know we will have the opportunity, if we so desire, to go see Wonder Woman 1984 on the big screen, or we can stay at home and watch it. Now, there's, of course, other major cinema chains, and they haven't all spoken up yet i i have heard that the cinema world chain is uh is in discussions with warner brothers about what they're going to do about that uh the regal chain actually which is the number two chain in the country actually is is closed nationwide right now so they they may not be a concern uh depending on what they decide to do between now and christmas uh but but i'm curious as to what you guys think about this and and steve i can tell you're chomping at the bit to to say something about what do you think about this release strategy the thing is that you know theaters are hurting right now and they're not in a position to negotiate. You know, um, Warner Brothers could very easily just say, no, we're just going to release Wonder Woman on DOD and bypass theaters completely or release it on HBO Max, you know, just inhabit as a direct-to-streaming movie and not even worry about theaters. So the fact that they're even talking with theaters and saying, okay, we're going to give you the option of having it, I think a theater chain would be stupid not to take them up on that in this climate. Now, once COVID passes and the pandemic is history and people are are going back into theaters again, then that might change the dynamic a little bit. And, you know, the the studios will see the, uh, because, you know, they, they still get a lot of money from theatrical when there's the normal um, ebb and flow of, of theater goers. So I think that the dynamics will change at that point. But right now, you know, theaters are hungry for anything. You know, they, they just they need to make money. See, so I'm, they're, I'm, they're not going to turn down anything. I'm wondering about that, though. I mean, I'm wondering if that's if the barn door is open now and you can't close it again after the cows come out. Yes, that I, I'm sure that's what everybody's operating under right now. But when it comes time for, let's say, Shazam 2, just to pick out another DC title uh, to come out, and if this has been successful for, for Warner Brothers, do they say, well, you know, you did it with the last one. We want to do the same thing. And and where do theaters stand with that? You know, I guess we'll have yeah. to wait and see. You know, of course, uh, they'd already negotiated a deal with Universal to shorten the theatrical window. Uh, so, so that's out there, but, uh, but Jeremy, I want to bring you in on this. Uh, what, what are your thoughts as far as where you're going to go see this movie? Are you going to watch it on HBO? Or are you going to watch it in the theater? 
I'm going to be honest. Um, you remember, like, Godzilla 2000 came out, and then there was, the, even before that, there was Godzilla 85. Right. I've been waiting for this Wonder Woman movie so long that I swore the original release date was 1984. <laughs> so, like, the title's already got me confused at this point. It's, it is really interesting, and uh, forgive my ignorance, but do theaters pay for the movie outright, or do they, uh, you know, charge the theaters a percentage of the revenue made off of the movie. It depends on on the release. There is such a thing as a as a distributor actually renting out the theater to show a movie, but that's usually done with something with very limited appeal. With a big mainstream yeah. release like this, the the theater is generally paying a portion of the ticket sales and generally a very hefty portion of the ticket sales to uh, to the distributor. And then that percentage will go down the longer the film runs. So if you know, the first couple of weeks, it can be like 90% of the tickets or even uh, I think I think even in the case of the last Star Wars movie, Disney actually demanded yeah. 100% and got it uh, mm. uh, for the first couple of weeks. And then it goes down as time goes on. So the longer a film runs, uh, the, the less of the money they're giving away to and not giving away because that's how the distributors are making their money, but paying to the distributors. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. It really touches on what Steve said about the fact that theaters themselves are not in a strong negotiating position right now. So it's kind of that they're just going to take what they can get and uh, tough luck as far as the rest of it goes, because uh, unfortunately, I think we are just seeing a tectonic shift in the way that the industry is going to look moving forward. As far as your direct question where I'm going to watch it, I really want to see it in the theaters. Like I, I have my heart set on seeing these types of movies in the theater However, um, December 25th is going to roll around very, very soon here. And just depending on where things are at is going to you know, dictate what my ultimate decision is. Uh, well, we'll be back with more in just a moment. You're listening to Let's Go Pensacola on News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. That's the old Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Welcome to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. Hope you are having a great weekend before Thanksgiving. Just uh, just a couple of days until uh, we all get to have a nice gigantic meal. Although, uh, you know, apparently we want to make sure we do that safely this year with uh, with our ever-present friend COVID-19. So, you know, hopefully you are planning your gatherings accordingly. You are, you know, sticking to your household, uh, you know, keeping social distance from anybody that, uh, that you don't know, but, uh, we'll, 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 we'll move on from that. I'm, I'm keeping proper social distance from my guests today. They're here on the phone with me, uh, joining me to talk about everything going on in pop culture. Uh, first of all, we welcome a, an award-winning filmmaker, Steve Wise. Hey, Julio. Thank you for having me back. Hey, Steve. No, glad to, I, I think you've won more awards since the last time we've had you on the show, haven't you? Uh, yes, uh, my screenplay paradigm just this past Sunday uh, won best script at the Yucca Valley Film Festival out in California. Very nice, congratulations, congratulations! Soon to be a major motion picture. Uh, we're, uh, we're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, and once it is a major motion picture, I'm sure it will be discussed on the Movies Are Terrible channel on YouTube. And joining me from Movies Are Terrible, Jeremy Branch. 
Julio, man. Fantastic turnout on the DCEU version of a terrible movie trivia, which was dropped yesterday. And I got to tell you guys, at this point, when I hear that sweet sound of Matt and Kim introducing it, I, I feel like I'm at home a little bit. I know I'm in good company, so I'm really excited to, to be a part of this week's show. Well, uh, I'm glad to have you. And speaking of the DCEU, that is where we're going to start things today. The, the the Probably the biggest news in entertainment that came out this week Uh you know, we've we've dealt with throughout this uh, throughout most of this year, uh, all of our movies disappearing from us, at least in terms of the big box office spectacles that we were expecting to see in our in our local and national theaters uh, and worldwide theaters, really. Uh, so, for all of you listeners in Indonesia and uh, Tunisia, we're, we're not forgetting you too. <laughs> I don't have any listeners in Indonesia or Tunisia, I'm sure. I, I'm, sometimes I wonder if I have listeners in Pensacola, but we'll you know, we'll leave it at that. Uh, you got at least one. Yeah. Oh well. There. Okay. So that's something. Uh, <laughs> at any rate, uh, you know. So we've had you know numerous movies that we we're expecting to come out this year that have been pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And one of those, of course, is Wonder Woman 1984, which is the next big DCEU film that we've been looking forward to. Uh, oh, since uh, since about the time the first Wonder Woman film started rolling the credits, because uh, it was a great movie. And I know I've been looking forward to more, and I'm sure you guys have as well. Uh, so, you know, it was supposed to come out a few, uh, early, in the, uh, early in the summer or even late spring, if I'm remembering correctly. Got pushed back a couple of times. And the last release date that we were given was Christmas Day, uh, December 25th. Well, so uh, interesting news here is that, yes, that's going to happen. December 25th, we will be getting Wonder Woman 1984. However, you have a choice. You can go see it in your theaters or you can watch it at home on HBO Max. It will be available to all HBO Max subscribers uh, same day. No additional charge. They're not doing uh, any of that weird Mulan stuff that Disney Plus did. And uh, I think that that whole Disney Plus uh, extra premium thing, I think that's dead in the water because, you know, they'd already announced that they were moving Pixar's soul to Disney Plus and they were not doing that. Oh, yeah, you know, you can buy it for an additional charge. I, I don't think that worked very well for Disney because I haven't heard a peep of that happening again, uh, which is good because I don't think that was good for consumers. Uh, but so, yeah, yeah so no, I, I don't think that. I don't think it was good for consumers, but from what I heard, they actually Disney made a lot of money off of that. So it surprised me that they're not moving forward with that practice. But, yeah, it seems uh, to as me. A consumer, yeah, it seems to me that if it had, if it had been successful at a level that they wanted it to be successful at, they would have continued that. Yeah. You know, I it might, it, they may have made money, but they may not have made what they thought they were going to make, and they may have decided it's better to just treat it as a, as a subscription driver, which appears to be what Warner Brothers is doing here, or AT&T is now the parent company, uh, with Wonder Woman 1984, because uh, we are going to get it day and date. Uh, and the, the other interesting thing about this is that, generally speaking, the exhibitors, the theater owners, have been dead set against any movies coming out day and date at home and yeah. in theaters. But yeah. uh, but they're giving this one a pass, or at least AMC is. AMC has come out and said, yes, we will air Wonder Woman. We will uh, screen Wonder Woman starting on Christmas Day. So uh, that that is, of course, the biggest exhibitor. And for those of us in Pensacola, the only exhibitor in Escambia County. Uh, so, you know, we will have the opportunity, if we so desire, to go see Wonder Woman 1984 on the big screen, or we can stay at home and watch it. Now, there's, of course, other major cinema chains, and they haven't all spoken up yet i i have heard that the cinema world chain is uh is in discussions with warner brothers about what they're going to yeah. do about that uh the regal chain actually which is the number two chain in the country actually is 
is closed nationwide right now. So they, yeah. may, they may not be a concern, uh, depending on what they decide to do between now and Christmas. Uh, but well, I, but I'm curious as to what you guys think about this. And, and Steve, I can tell you're chomping at the bit to, to say something about what do you yeah. think about this well, release strategy? The thing is that, you know, theaters are hurting right now. And they're not in a position to negotiate. You know, um, Warner Brothers could very easily just say, no, nope, we're just going to release uh, Wonder Woman on DOD and bypass theaters completely and, or release it on HBO Max, you know, just and have it as a direct-to-streaming movie and not even worry about theaters. So the fact that they're even talking with theaters and saying, okay, we're going to give you the option of having it, I think a theater chain would be stupid not to take them up on that in this climate. Now, once COVID passes and the pandemic is history and people are are going back into theaters again, then that might change the dynamic a little bit. And, you know, the the studios will see the, uh, because, you know, they they still get a lot of money from theatrical when there's the normal um, ebb and flow of, of theater goers. So I think that the dynamics will change at that point. But right now, you know, theaters are hungry for anything. You know, they, they just they need to make money. See, so I'm, they're, I'm, they're not going to turn down anything. I'm wondering about that, though. I mean, I'm wondering if that's if the barn door is open now and you can't close it again after the cows come out. Yes, that I, I'm sure that's what everybody's operating under right now. But when it comes time for, let's say, Shazam 2, just to pick out another DC title. Uh, to come out, and if this has been successful for for Warner Brothers, do they say, "Well, you know, you did it with the last one. We want to do the same thing." And and where do theaters stand with that? You know, I guess we'll have yeah. to wait and see. You know, of course, uh, they'd already negotiated a deal with Universal to shorten the theatrical window. Uh, so so that's out there. But uh, but Jeremy, I want to bring you in on this. Uh, what what are your thoughts as far as where you're going to go see this movie? Are you going to watch it on HBO? Or are you going to watch it in the theater? I'm going to be honest. Um, you remember, like, Godzilla 2000 came out, and then there was, the, even before that, there was Godzilla 85. Right. I've been waiting for this Wonder Woman movie so long that I swore the original release date was 1984. <laughs> so, like, the title's already got me confused at this point. It's, it is really interesting, and uh, forgive my ignorance, but do theaters pay for the movie outright, or do they, uh, you know, charge the theaters a percentage of the revenue made off of the movie. It depends on on the release. There is such a thing as a as a distributor actually renting out the theater to show a movie, but that's usually done with something with very limited appeal. With a big mainstream yeah. release like this, the the theater is generally paying a portion of the ticket sales and generally a very hefty portion of the ticket sales to uh, to the distributor. And then that percentage will go down the longer the film runs. So if you, the first couple of weeks, it can be like 90% of the tickets or even, uh, I think I think even in the case of the last Star Wars movie, Disney actually demanded yeah. 100% and got it uh, mm. uh, for the first couple of weeks. And then it goes down as time goes on. So the longer a film runs, uh, the, the less of the money they're giving away to and not giving away because that's how the distributors are making their money, but paying to the distributors. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. It really touches on what Steve said about the fact that 
theaters themselves are not in a strong negotiating position right now. So it's kind of that they're just going to take what they can get and uh, tough luck as far as the rest of it goes, because uh, unfortunately, I think we are just seeing a tectonic shift in the way that the industry is going to look moving forward. As far as your direct question where I'm going to watch it, I really want to see it in the theaters. Like I, I have my heart set on seeing these types of movies in the theater However, um, December 25th is going to roll around very, very soon here. And just depending on where things are at is going to you know, dictate what my ultimate decision is. Uh, well, we'll be back with more in just a moment. You're listening to Let's Go Pensacola on News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to don't you cry no more. News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. Uh, we are talking about everything that's going on in pop culture right now with Jeremy Branch and Steve Wise. And we've got to take just a moment to give a little shout out to uh, the longest running horror oriented television series in history came to an end this week. uh, The very end of Supernatural after 15 seasons. Uh, Of course, that was that song Carry On Wayward Son by Kansas is intrinsically associated with uh, Supernatural. As I understand it, it plays in every season finale of the series. And it is just one of those things that the the fans have really latched on and made part of the uh, the iconography of the series. So couldn't think of a more appropriate song to come back with than to, to talk about this. But uh, just, you know, I, I got to say, I'm not a fan of the show. I've never really watched. And that's not like, oh, I don't like the show. Like, I've just never really watched it. I watched the one episode where they crossed over with Scooby-Doo and got stuck in a cartoon universe because it was Scooby-Doo and I'm a huge Scooby-Doo fan. So I had to see what they were doing with that. But other than that, I've, I've never really watched the series and like my some knowledge of it is what I've picked up from talking to fans and or caught the last three seconds of a, an episode because it was on before I think Arrow uh, or some other CW series that I watched. But 15 years is crazy, and above and beyond that, this is a show that, if you can believe it, started on the WB. How long has it been since you thought of the WB even existing? Well, it's been 14 years since the WB existed. So this wow. this series debuted on the WB the last year the WB was a thing. It was one of the series they carried up because uh, the CW was formed by the WB and UPN combining into one entity, and they took a handful of series from each network and uh, Supernatural was one of the ones that made the jump. And uh, here we are 14 years after that, 15 years since it started, and Supernatural finally coming to an end. The last, I'm going to say, I, don't, I can't say scripted, so I'm going to say the last traditionally filmed scripted series to originate either on uh, the WB or CW that is still with us. Now, I say that because WWE SmackDown started on UPN and still exists, but WW SmackDown has literally been on like six different channels since then. It went, it went from UPN to the CW to my network TV to sci-fi to USA network. And now it's back on broadcast television on Fox, crazily enough. Uh, so it's actually weirdly like gotten to a bigger <laughs> network eventually. Uh, and so you can't say wrestling's not scripted. 
but it's not. Wait, what? It's not a, a scripted. Yeah, I'm sorry to spoil it for you, Jeremy. But, but dang it, Julio! Yeah. I, I'm not saying that they're not that the athletics aren't real because they are. You know, I, I have a great amount of respect for what those guys and girls are able to do Dang. physically, because uh, that you can't fake that. You know, if you're picking somebody up and slamming them on the the mat, you're picking somebody up and slamming them on the mat. That's not special effect. That's real. But the stories and who's going to win and all that. Yeah, sorry, kids. That's scripted. Uh, but I know, I know you guys said neither one of you are, are big supernatural fans, but I kind of just wanted to touch on a, the achievement and, and B, how much has changed since then? You know, I mean, again, we were talking about, there used to be two TV networks, two, two broadcast TV networks with, you know, full slates of programming that combined into one. And this is like the last vestige of, uh, of that, you know, some of the other shows that were, were on at the time that made the jump were Gilmore Girls. Smallville, Seventh Heaven, uh, you know, series that, you know, are, are very well remembered uh, for, for some folks in one way or the other. Uh, but, you know, all of them relatively quickly tapered out after that, you know, maybe maybe ran two or three more years. Uh, America's Next top, top Model was one that had made the jump. That was that was on for a few years. So there was something about Supernatural that just... Uh, managed to survive all that time and, and just you know from what you guys know because i know you guys have friends that are, are fans too uh and steve I'll, I'll start with you on this what do you think gave it that staying power well you know i i, I don't know i i haven't watched the show um unfortunately there's a lot of nerdy shows out there that i just haven't had a chance to see because it was just too much now when it first premiered 15 years ago you know there weren't that many shows out there that um you know, that struck my interest in the science fiction fantasy world. The reason I didn't start watching it was it seemed too much of a ripoff of the X-Files a la Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And mm. just, you know, focusing more on demonology and that type of stuff as opposed to UFOs. So it just I wasn't drawn to it initially because I thought, ah, now the show won't last very long. There's no reason to get invested in it. Well, 15 years later, I was proven wrong. It, it, it amazes me that they've been able to keep up the mythology, because I know that this, this show does have a, a running mythology. I don't think it's totally just the Monster of the Week type of type of series. Right. Um, so, and, and even if it does have that element, it's amazing that they come up with 15 years worth of content that has kept the audience watching. I mean, it, just, it's, it really blows my mind. You know, I, uh, I, everything that you just said is stuff that should have been a selling point for me for this show. Because uh, I do very clearly remember when it, when it started and very clearly making the decision to not watch it. And I can tell you exactly what it was. You had all of that, which is great. You had Jared Padalecki, who I, I am a big Gilmore Girls fan. I had really enjoyed him on Gilmore Girls. So that should have been a selling point. I'm also a big Smallville fan, uh, and 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 for those who don't know, this you know the the two guys, the Jared Padalecki and Jensen Ackles. Jared Padalecki came from Gilmore Girls, and Jensen Ackles came from Smallville. So they both came from other WB shows, and WB used to be famous for this, where they'd move people around a little bit until they found the right thing for them, and then they'd build them into a star. They, there's lots and lots of actors that you can point out that they've done that with. And that's what they did with both of them. So, so Jensen Ackles had been on Smallville. 
and I could not stand him on Smallville. I I, I very <laughs> nearly stopped watching Smallville, and it wasn't just him. It was that that was like at the ebb of Smallville, where uh, I th- there were two seasons that ran in, in the middle of the run where I said, okay, that's it. I'm not coming back next season. And then they'd do something to make me come back the next season. They'd announce something. And uh, the, the second time around that that happened, the series got better from there. And actually the last few seasons of Smallville are some of the best seasons of Smallville. Uh, but I just like, no, I am not watching that dude in another series. It's not happening. And, and then, uh, you know, got, you know, got, got built up a fandom and I would hear good things about it. And by that time, you know, it's like 10 years of episodes to slog through to catch up. But they, but they did get me to tune in with the one Scooby Doo episode. I just could not resist that, and uh, and I gotta say I had a lot of fun with that episode. It was a it was a really clever way of merging those universes and uh, having those two guys in animation and having the horror of a supernatural happening in a Scooby Doo episode, to where the the horror in a Scooby Doo was actually real and not you know old man withers on a real estate scam. Uh, it, it was just uh, it was an interesting combination. Uh, Jeremy, I, I I'm sure you've got fans that are in, into supernatural. What do you from them first of all i always say that i have blind spots in my fandom i think i should reverse that at this point and say i have very clear spots and then just everything else i'm almost completely oblivious to to. i can only retain so much stuff in my brain but i do remember when the series started and i don't want to sound uh dismissive but i was i was always very turned off to cw wb um those networks i haven't watched much of the flash i watched a little bit of it um it probably was the age that i was at at the time that it came out but i felt that everything was a little too teen soapy and that's okay if that's what you're into uh, not to dismiss it because of all of the supernatural fans that i know they're all still fans 15 years later you know when you start looking at season seven of game of thrones people are all of a sudden, the, the, the narrative around it is starting to change. You look at The Walking Dead, people are like, can it just go away? And now they've got three <laughs> spinoff seasons. So like mm-hmm. our three spinoff series or whatever, or three concurrent series going in. So maybe I'm keeping my finger on a different pulse. It's, it's very hard to say sometimes. I've felt like The Walking Dead's been over for a very long time and that they have been forced to retread a lot of the same things. Never heard those kind of things about Supernatural. The people that like Supernatural, they love Supernatural. And speaking of Supernatural, uh, both of those leads, Jensen Eccles and uh, uh, Jared Padalecki, they must be Supernatural because they look exactly the same now as they did <laughs> well, uh, 15, and, 16 years ago. And let's be honest, this is a series with a very, very large female fan base, and that Correct. is it. That is a very big part of it. I and you know, some of the people that I've talked to that are the most hardcore supernatural fans. For them, it's all about the boys. The boys are pretty to look at, and I like looking at the boys. Yep. Uh, you know, so that's I'm not saying that's all the series is. I will say I do know people that were fans of Supernatural at the start that that tuned out after the series creator Eric Kripke left after the fifth season. So there do, there is a a segment of Supernatural fandom that's like the first five seasons are great, and then it goes to goes to crap. I see. But it's not must not be that huge a segment because it went on for ten more years. Let's just be yeah. honest here. So, you know, so there there is that that segment of the fandom out there. But uh, shows like this run off of two things. One is the chemistry of the actors. And if they can keep that chemistry going and keep the excitement of the personalities, if you will, 
fresh and still vibrant year after year after year. The fans are still going to watch. And then the other one is is the stories, you know, because at some point they start sound feeling like they're recycled or start getting stale or the writing just is like, eh, you know, it's lost its edge. And, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you have a lot of times five years is about the time where the show's creators, the writers kind of get worn out and they go by the wayside. I mean, you see that from series after series that, you know, between five and seven years, they, they had, they have a, a changeover of, of the creative talent. And sometimes it's to the detriment of the show, but sometimes it adds more life to it. And Well, speaking of going in another direction, guys, we've got to go towards a break and then we'll come back in another direction. Uh, until then, you listen to News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. Uh, joining me on the line for one more segment, Jeremy Branch and Steve Wise. And we've been talking about everything that's going on in pop culture and uh, talking about the end of Supernatural as we were in the last segment uh, got me to thinking about, you know, there's a there's a lot of series that you, for whatever reason, you see something and you think, uh I don't know that that's for me. Uh, as we were talking about with Supernatural, you know, during the break, Steve was mentioning that he felt that way about the X-Files uh, when it first started yeah. up, that he was, you know, this just looks derivative and I don't know if this is what I want to watch. Uh, and, from you know, ended up being one of his favorite series. For me, uh, that same thing was true of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, I had seen the movie theatrically and I thought, I don't know, I'm just not up for a series of that, you know, nobody from the movies even in it. And I just, I it's like, ugh, no. And then it ended up being my favorite television series of all time. So, uh, and uh, for those who don't know, if that version sounded weird to you, that was because that was the Breeders actually covering the theme song from uh, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. They were big fans of the show and have actually ended up appearing on the show on, on uh, one of the bands that played in the bronze at uh, the, the nightclub that was uh, intrinsic to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. They had a lot of great bands come and play. Uh, play at the bronze. So I just thought that was a fun version. But uh, Jeremy, was there a series for you that you were just like, no, no. And then it ended up being the best thing you ever saw. Julio, you know me well enough to know at this point, I'm a huge contrarian. So pretty much anything good, like uh, (laughs) Breaking Bad, that was the first one. People are like, oh my God, Breaking Bad is amazing. And I'm like, eh, that that show is probably dumb. And I didn't watch it for... (laughs) Three or four seasons, and then when I put it on, I was like, oh, this is the most amazing thing ever. Um, proved myself wrong. I got to be open to new things. Game of Thrones came out. I'm like, you know, I like fantasy, but this just seems way too stripped down. It's like Lord of the Rings without any of the fun stuff in it. And then I think it was season six that I picked back up on it and was just like, wow, greatest thing on television. Literally, my two favorite shows. Game of Thrones and then Breaking Bad, and those were both shows that I thought I was uh, 
too cool for at the time that they were released simply because everybody else was raving about them. And that just shows like I am a contrarian to the core, but um, it also shows like being open to other people's, you know, uh, insight. There's value in that. You can find all sorts of things if you're just open minded. Yeah, well, you know, and uh, you're thinking about it. My second favorite show of all time, I think I've probably mentioned this on the air many times, is uh, is How I Met Your Mother. And that show was very much dismissed as like Friends Light when it first came out, uh, mm. which I'm not qualified to say because I've actually never watched Friends and have no interest oh, wow. whatsoever in watching Friends, uh, but really loved that series. And I think that series... I think that's an unfair knock on that series because that series really is a masterpiece of long form storytelling and a masterpiece of serial storytelling in the way that we normally think about would come on in a science fiction or fantasy or horror series, uh, but done as a, you know, a light, I guess you could say romantic comedy in, in, in a sense. Uh, but I wanted to like kind of bring this all the way back around to, uh, to kind of tie together a little bit of everything that we've been talking about today. Uh, you know, in this, in this streaming era, we're seeing lots and lots of shows get rebooted and supernatural has been on the air long enough that some of the shows that were concurrent with it, uh, you know, some of its contemporaries have now been rebooted. You know, charmed is a great example. Charmed was on the air when supernatural started and we now have a new version of charmed. Roswell was on the air when Supernatural started. We now have a new version of Roswell. So, first of all, does that mean like Supernatural is getting rebooted next week? Because, <laughs> I mean, it would seem to make sense. It's, oh, Supernatural's back. Well, yeah. uh, but uh, is there a series from that time period that you think is due for a reboot or that you would like to see rebooted? Something that was, uh, was, was a big 90s favorite that, uh, that you'd want to see coming back? I'll, I'll start with you on that, Jeremy. That's such a tough one. I mean, my go-to answer would be one that Steve has already mentioned and that they've already attempted to reboot. And, you know, uh, it was divisive to say the least. I thought there were some very strong episodes in the X-Files reboot. However, overall, it felt underwhelming, which if I'm being honest, half of the X-Files series is pretty uh, disposable as far as I'm concerned. But those early seasons were so good. I just feel that society has kind of moved past the UFO things, especially being that since like 2017, the military has like declassified that they've been hiding UFO. Anyway, so we could go all sorts of crazy into that conspiracy stuff because we're here in Pensacola, which for the listeners at home that might not know this fun piece of trivia, Gulf Breeze, Florida was known as like one of the UFO capitals of the entire world. And it was right before all of the X-Files phenomenon happened. So everybody was Skywatchers at the time. And there was a lot of excitement surrounding that kind of government conspiracy, alien abduction kind of stuff that was going on in culture. And obviously, most all that stuff was proven to be a hoax afterwards. But I just feel like a lot of the shows are such a product of those times that it's difficult. I was concerned that Animaniacs was going to have that same problem. However, I feel like they've found a way to integrate that awkwardness into the storytelling itself. So as far as shows that I'm like would die to see a reboot of, I, I really don't think there are any. Okay. Uh, Steve, that's a lame answer. I know. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, Steve, do you have uh, do you have something that's maybe that uh, that '90s period that you'd like to see come back? 
Well, first off, let's uh, define what reboot means. To me, in particular with a, uh, with a TV series, a reboot literally means you're taking the original series and bringing it back to life. You're starting it again. There are also remakes, and I think Charmed and mm. Roswell, which you mentioned, are complete remakes. They're not using the original cast. They're not, you know, it's not in the same continuity. It's just another version of the same concept. You know, and then we've seen that before. Yeah, I mean, there's been, I think, four different versions of the odd couple tried, you know, at different times. Um, <clears throat> so if you're literally rebooting a series, yeah, the X-Files, I, I like a good portion of the episodes of the rebooted version, you know, which lasted for two seasons. Um, but as far as, I, I mean, I, I can continue watching that because I, I really think that they did a good job bringing it into the modern time. The problem with rebooting something from 20, 30 years ago is, like Jeremy said, it is a product of that time as far as the sensibility and the way where the characters are and even the how it hit the popular culture and what the culture was ready for at that time. We're in a different state now <laughs> in our culture, yeah. in our society, than we were 20 years ago. So, you know, I mean, it's easy to say, oh, we've become more cynical, but it's just things have changed. And I don't know if the same kind of humor or the same kind of, in the case of the X-Files, um, scary subject matter will work the same um, now. And, and that's, you know, X-Files tried to do more contemporary types of style, but one of the stories was involving a conspiracy theorist. Well, for better or for worse, we know now, today, what conspiracy theories can do. Yeah, and so true. So we've seen that firsthand, how conspiracy theories, when they get out into the culture, um, can affect people. And so when you try to dramatize that, it's, it's, it's great when it's fantasy, but when it becomes reality, then you kind of have a different perspective on things. Yeah, so I... I, I, I don't know to answer your question as far as you know what series from the 90s i don't know if there is a good answer to that because it just depends on what how you can bring those characters in and have them involved and and i think the connors has done a really good job with that as far as letting the characters grow up and become who they are now you know 30 years later yeah, that, that's a good example. You know, for everyone that's worked, you know, the Connors or Will and Grace, I think a lot of the, the fans of that show were, were very happy with the, the return of that and how that worked out. Uh, I really liked the Gilmore Girls reboot. I thought, you know, as a big fan of that show, I think they did a very good job and I would like to see more of that eventually at some point. Uh, you know, so for everyone that's worked, there's definitely one that hasn't worked. Uh, so it's it's a double-edged sword when you're asking for that. That said... I think for me, it, I would go with something that was was maybe cut short to begin with, and uh, I'm not going where you think I'm going with this. I'm not going with Firefly. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going with Jericho, uh, which I thought was uh, uh, was a really great series. It was underappreciated in its time. Yeah. Uh, you had a good fan base that managed to get it uh, get it back for uh, an additional seven episodes, <clears throat> but uh, but. I would love to go see where that world is and, and let the same amount of time pass. Let 20 years have passed since, uh, or whatever it is since Jericho ended and, uh, and see where those characters are in that world is. 
What's that? I've, I've, got, a, I've got one. Okay, uh, so you... This is a very little watch show that I think was on Fox, if I'm not mistaken, um, in the early 90s. It was with Bruce, Bruce Greenwood called Nowhere Man. Okay. And it was about this guy whose whose life was completely wiped out by some conspiracy theory, you know, some some organization that basically erased him and he's on the run, a la fugitive, and from this shadowy organization. I love that concept. It it never got a chance to really grow beyond um, you know, the because it, it ended up kind of recycling the same plot, you know, week after week. Um but if they really took that idea and, and developed the mythology and did something really cool with it, I think it could be successful. Yeah, that would be an interesting choice. I, I remember that series being around. I don't know that I ever got a chance to watch it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that would be an interesting idea. And, of course, you know my, my high concept for that is him coming back today, and he is the President of the United States. <laughs> Uh, all right guys well it's been it's been a lot of fun uh talking with you guys about all of this uh we've got to run but we will be back next week with much more until then you're listening to let's go pensacola on news radio 92.3 and am 1620